Welcome to this edition of our Top 10 Risks series. In this series, we focus on the top risks currently facing our asset management clients from a disputes perspective. My name is Adam Brown, and I'm a partner in our litigation and arbitration practice here at Simmons & Simmons. And today, I'm joined by two colleagues, Priya Nagpal from our, our intellectual property team and Dan Ornstein from our employment practice. Today, we'll be looking at the subject of business protection. And by that, we mean the steps that you can take to protect trade secrets, confidential information and data and other intangible assets of your business. We'll also you know, think about the disputes that can arise if those interests are threatened. So scenarios might include theft of confidential information, cybersecurity incident or a team move. And as we all know, those are very real and topical threats at the moment. And we selected this topic for this series because asset management is a sector in which a lot of value in the business is linked to the knowledge and skills of key employees and to the firm's intellectual property, its data and its ability to exploit those assets. As we also know, Prevention is far better than cure. So Priya and Dan are going to talk through how they work with clients to mitigate the risks and to prepare an action plan for incident response. So we'll try and draw out those sorts of practical lessons on how the uh, risks can be addressed and mitigated as we go through the discussion. Just one point of signposting is that this is clearly a very broad topic that extends beyond intellectual property and employment, for example, data security, regulatory misconduct, commercial contract drafting are all aspects of this wider theme. So when we work with clients, there are often a number of specialists brought together. Nonetheless, for the purposes of today, we'll hope to give an introduction and we'll be very happy to expand the conversation with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis, if that's of interest. So I'm going to turn first to Dan and ask him to give an overview of why protecting business information should be on the agenda right now. Um, thanks, Adam. Um, good to speak to you and hi, Priya. So I'm seeing two significant factors that are making this an issue now. First, I think it's fair to say we're getting back to a new normal in really disrupted times. COVID has impacted on business performance in a broad range of sectors with two results. There's a growing gap between the struggling and the succeeding businesses in the same sectors. And that's led to individuals and teams seeking to move to businesses that are succeeding from those that are not. And on top of this, businesses are adapting in order to succeed. And as part of this adaption is a fight for the best talent in the sectors where they see growth. Um, so on top of the business factors, I think there's the personal factor. And as we're heading to this new normal, after a period where so much has been on hold, people are reflecting really deeply about what they want and whether they're working in the right place and in the right environment. I think this period of reflection combined with a period when recruitment has been much reduced has created a bottleneck of movement. And as we get back to this new normal, now is a time where movement between firms is really on the increase and we're really seeing a lot of that. So this 
significant increase in activity in turn means that now is a really critical time to focus on protecting your business. Thanks, Dan. And so what are the key considerations from an employment perspective against that backdrop? I think the most important consideration is almost commercial. It's regular communications with your workforce so you can identify who's dissatisfied, who's a flight risk, and where possible, even have a succession plan ready to take over business, especially for business critical teams. Now, from a legal perspective, you need enforceable restricted covenants, good gardenly provisions, provisions relating to the return of property, including the handover of assets, good IT protection and confidentiality provision, which we'll pre talk about, um, explicit contractual duties, such as the duty to report competitive threats. All of these are imperative and normal. So in that, that context, if people do move, you can use all these legal protections to safeguard your business. Thanks very much, Dan. And turning to Priya now, if a business has got their employment contract right, as Dan just, just described in terms of the restrictive covenants that they might have in place, do they need to worry about confidentiality at that point? Is that, is that an issue that they've covered or are there other angles? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, as Dan said, you know, restrictive covenants are incredibly important in the context of an employment contract. But sometimes there can be issues if those restrictive covenants turn out to be unenforceable or if they're drafted too widely to be um, enforceable. And the UK government is running a consultation at the moment on the enforceability of post-termination non-compete clauses. So if the UK government decides that these sorts of clauses should be unenforceable, then IP provisions and confidentiality provisions will become even more significant. And if we take confidentiality clauses, first of all, I mean, typically we see clients in the financial space define confidential information incredibly broadly in the context of their employment contracts. And these clauses can be so broad that they cover all information that the employee has been exposed to during the course of their employment. But what we're seeing is that when it comes to enforcing those sorts of clauses, the English courts won't hesitate to find those clauses invalid if confidential information is defined too broadly. And that's because under English law and under the relatively new EU trade secrets directive, it's quite clear that employers will struggle to restrain the use of information, which is part of an employee's general skills and experience and was legitimately acquired during the employee's employment. Um, and so in that sort of context, it's important to make sure that the confidential information um, or the definition of confidential information doesn't try to capture that sort of information, because when it comes to enforcement, companies will struggle um, to enforce that sort of clause. Um, and secondly, in relation to confidentiality, um, there is a, a relatively new requirement for companies to make sure that they've taken reasonable steps to protect the confidentiality of their trade secrets. And as a result, it requires companies to audit their internal processes quite carefully to make sure that they've actually taken steps to protect the confidentiality of their crown jewels. Thanks, Priya. And is, is there any sort of additional point to be made around um, wider aspects of intellectual property, but beyond just the, the mere sort of confidential information aspect? Yeah, completely. I mean, we sort of started with confidential information because I think that's often where companies start from. Um, but actually, IP rights can be incredibly useful when it's difficult to show that the information is confidential or if there's any um, dispute as to whether the information itself is truly confidential. 
So, for example, if a company owns the copyright in various company documents and an employee takes those documents, and makes copies of them on a personal cloud account or on a personal computer, those copies will automatically be infringing copies of copyright works. And so from an IP perspective, it's important to make sure that companies do actually own the copyright and other IP rights in the documents that are created during the course of their business or any other materials that are created during the course of the business. And in the UK, typically an IP that's created by an employee during the course of the employee's employment will be owned by the employer. But the position's much more complicated in other countries, such as France and Germany, where the employee and not the employer will actually be the first owner of the IP um, in any materials. And there are actually obligations on the employee to disclose the IP to their employer. So, I mean, certainly what we're recommending is that companies make sure that their employment contracts are actually fit for purpose when they're working across multiple jurisdictions. Thanks, Priya. What sort of preventative steps should asset managers be thinking about at the moment? Yeah, well, there are a number of um, different steps that businesses should be thinking about, and Dan's touched on some of them already. So, for example, making sure that you have good IT policies that give you a basis for searching an employee's device if you suspect that any information has been misused. You know, that's that's an important thing to think about. Um, it's also important to think about clear policies around bring your own devices. I mean, certainly in this new normal where people are working remotely and uh, people are using their own devices, it's important to make sure that the use of company information on those devices is properly managed. Um, I also mentioned the requirement to take reasonable steps to, for companies to protect the confidentiality of their trade secrets. And these sorts of steps could be physical, they might be digital, they might be contractual. Um, and certainly what we're also seeing is the courts placing a lot of emphasis on culture and training of employees. So where you have employees that are working on a confidential project, it's important for them to understand that the, that the project is confidential um, and that you know any misuse of information arising from that project um, will breach the company's trade secrets and potentially IP provisions as well. Thanks. And it's really interesting that you're looking at the sort of offshoots of the homeworking trend from your perspective and within your practice, because, you know, as soon as that came online, it was a huge topic within compliance circles from a regulatory conduct perspective as to how businesses in the asset management sector and other regulated sectors would um, manage to keep an eye, you know, adequately from a compliance perspective on those who were aiming to, you know, who are able to work from home now and able to do that, but without the compliance department quite so close to them and able to see what they're doing um, sort of day by day. Um, can I turn now to Dan and really just turn to a slightly different angle of what happens when things go wrong? Could you give us some thoughts on that? Yeah, sure, Adam. Um, I think a really good practical thing to do is to establish what I'd call a rapid response unit with stakeholders from legal, commercial and HR who have the authority to put together a strategy and gather documents. Now, I think the first task of that group actually should be to focus on the preserving of the business and customer relations. Because I've got, I've had a lot of cases where I say, well, actually, we haven't got much of a case here uh, necessarily or haven't because we haven't suffered much damage because such a great job has been done to keep the business. Um, 
That's not always possible. So what other things should this rapid response unit be doing? It's gathering the evidence from assets, including potentially the use of forensic expert forensic experts and you know complying with various privacy and policy requirements for that. I think there should be regular meetings and, and action plans to ensure calm and clear thinking. You know, when things do go wrong, there's a tendency to panic or to be seen to be doing something right away. And while it's really important to act quickly, it's much more important to think clearly and calmly to ensure the right strategic, commercial and legal decisions are made. You set off in the wrong direction, it's quite hard to get back on track. Having said that, of course, any planning needs to have some flexibility because the situations can develop very rapidly in the context of fast moving facts. So having regular meetings every day where you just have time to think and reflect and set yourself clear, realistic and commercial objectives and assess those objectives on a regular basis to make sure you're doing the right thing to protect your business and make sure you've got the right stakeholders on board to do that. Those in my mind and from my experience are the recipes for successfully dealing with this type of emergency situation. Thanks Dan. Any thoughts from you Priya on the response side of things? Yeah I mean I think from from my perspective it's the the point about preserving evidence and moving quickly at the outset when you suspect that something um, has gone wrong which is one of the most important things to think about I mean, we've seen sort of rogue employees delete relevant documents from company systems to cover their tracks and even to make it difficult for a company to pursue um, a claim against the employee when an employee, you know, kind of runs off with company information. Um, and so I think, as, as Dan said, it's important to have the right people together to think about the right steps uh, that need to be taken in a pretty short space of time, particularly at the outset. Yeah, no, I would completely endorse that, particularly on the personal devices perspective. There's been quite a few cases come through the courts this year where disclosure of documents from personal devices and access to them has been a pretty key topic. So one to get right on the response side if there is an incident. Um, I think we're probably out of time now for sort of further discussion. It's been really, really interesting to hear your perspectives on this subject and why it's particularly topical now and what can be done in that context to protect the client's interests. Um, To the audience, thank you for joining us. And please do look out for other videos and podcasts in this series where we'll be looking at other topics from the asset management perspective as to particular risks and how they can be addressed and mitigated. Thank you for your time.